You're listening to Postpartum Pieces, a sub-series of the Mummy Republic podcast, featuring educational conversations with professionals to help you get through postpartum life the best you can. Today's topic is first aid. I'm joined by Jessica Peters from Rescue Blue, who is a qualified paramedic and paediatric first aid teacher. Welcome, Jess. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, now, we, me. All, we all know that first aid is such an important topic. And I guess the difficulty with doing um, a podcast is that you can't show us and teach us. So there's a few things that we'll go through today, but it is still beneficial for everybody to actually go through the process themselves. But before we kick off about some of your hints and tips, can you just highlight for me how pediatric first aid courses are different to the adult ones? Because I really think there's a big misconception there. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually glad you asked that because it's something that comes up quite a lot. Um, Adult first aid courses are quite general in nature. They cover quite a range of topics, but they only really touch on paediatric first aid for maybe five to 10 minutes or so during the entire course. And what we see is, is that whilst the principles of first aid are the same. The practical application of those skills has some subtle but really important differences. So, for example, CPR is different on a baby compared to a toddler, compared to a child and an adult. And also perhaps choking, the way you hold a child while you're doing back blows would be different to the way you would position an adult. But there's also some other medical emergencies that children are more prone to that adults aren't that you won't see in in a general first aid course such as febrile convulsions and severe croup and it's really important that parents know how to act in those situations because obviously you never want to feel helpless with your child you we want you to have Mm. those skills yeah absolutely and it's it's a terrifying thing to think about and I think we quite often go oh that's okay you know I'll I'll deal with it when it happens but you know it's a lot of these things are time sensitive aren't they they are they are and I think that most people feel that bad things won't happen to them Um, but obviously as a paramedic I know firsthand I've seen firsthand that bad things can happen to anyone so it's about being prepared and it's about having the knowledge and the skills so that you can confidently and calmly respond in situations uh, when you need to, when they arise. A lot of people associate first aid with choking and it's definitely um, an important issue. But again, I think a a lot of that stuff, you actually need to to go through the course to really learn those methods. Mm. Um, There there are two other major areas of concern um, that we're going to touch on today that you can assist with some practical tips and tricks. Sorry, And the first being burns and how to avoid them. Yeah, because burns I find really interesting because most people don't think about burns. They don't think about burns of their children until it and it happens. Um, mm. I really dislike burns. I've been to many over my career. I went to a, a man that had had a gas heater explode on him, but I suppose wow. more relevant for this podcast was a little girl I went to who uh, was about three years old was quite severely burnt by a scalding burn at home and When we got there in the ambulance, her parents were so distressed. The little girl was in agony, but they were so distressed because they didn't know what to do and they hadn't known how to stop that burn from burning. But, you know, the one thing that I do like about burns is that 
to stop the burn from burning, you can do that really well by providing basic first aid and the likelihood of needing skin grafts and scarring is dramatically re reduced by having basic first aid applied in those moments. So let's talk about first, I want to talk about how to avoid burns. The number one way that we see burns in our children is from scalding. And it's usually a situation like this. I'm guilty of this too. I used to do this when I was, um, when my babies were being breastfed and bottle fed. But, you know, you've been up all night, you're exhausted, you sit down in the morning to have your coffee and you breastfeed your baby at the same time. And what do babies do? They start reaching out and pulling out and they mm. pull that cup of coffee or hot water over the top of them. And very few people realize that at a cup of tea at 60 degrees can actually cause a third degree or a full thickness burn instantly in one of our babies so we really need to get that message out there so that's my tip number one <laughs> no hot water whatsoever around our around our kids around our babies because our baby's skin is so much more sensitive than ours so we really do see those severe burns happening really quickly Absolutely. And, and just to give us, I guess, set the scene, in terms of when it goes on the child, you said that happens yeah. pretty much instantly. So even though mm -hmm. after the fact you taking these steps to try and mitigate what's just happened, the damage yeah. is potentially already done. The damage has been done, but if we apply first aid at that time, mm -hmm. then the the but the, the chances of needing to have a skin graft or severe scarring is dramatically reduced. So let's talk about applying that first aid because it's really important. Okay. If you're in a position where you've burnt your child, you've got hot water all over your child, first up, we want you to ring triple O. We want you to ring triple O early so that we can come and help you. We want to help you with pain relief. We want to assess the burn and, and, and just support this situation. But the next thing I want you to do is take off all your baby's clothes. And here's tip number two. We want you to take the nappy off the child. I went to a case a few years ago where a little girl had been, um, hot water had spilt on her and the mum was cooling the arm and the chest where she thought the water had gone. But what she didn't realise was is that the nappy had actually filled up with water as well and oh, nappies wick up water. So she was actually sat in a boiling nappy. Mm. So... Take off the nappy. There's my tip number two. The nappy's got to come off. All the clothes are going to come off unless it's so burnt that they're actually stuck to the skin. We want you to leave it. Don't try and pull it off because you might pull off some of that sensitive skin. But otherwise, everything's just got to come off. The next thing we want you to do is get them in, into cool running water. Okay, be it a shower, the kitchen sink, the laundry sink, doesn't matter where the running water's from, but cool running water and we want you to do it for 20 minutes. Now, 20 minutes, it's really important that people remember that because 20 minutes has been proven, clinically proven time and time again, to stop the burn from burning. And what we mean from by stopping the burn from burning, have you ever been in a situation where you're in the kitchen cooking and you burn your hand while you're cooking and you race over to the kitchen sink and you start cooling it under running water and then you notice that your dinner's burning again so you race back over to that and you start stirring your dinner again and you realize that your hand starts to sting again yeah so that's the burn continuing to burn 
Okay, it means the burn is still burning. So by running it under cold running water for 20 minutes, we actually stop that burn from burning. It's protecting our second and third layers of skin and we're stopping that burn from burning, which is really, really important in our kids, especially if we're trying to avoid skin grafts. And I'm, ass- I'm assuming the, the running water is important because otherwise if you put them in a bath, it's obviously going to heat the water. Is that correct? Heat up, exactly, exactly. Yeah. You'd actually be surprised how much heat comes out of a burn. Mm. So if you've ever got a burnt hand and you pop it in a glass of water in the kitchen, I don't recommend trying this on your kids, but <laughs> next time you have a burnt finger, pop your finger in a glass of water and just take note of how quickly that water heats up because it really does heat up quickly. We want to have cool running water for 20 minutes now we don't want you to go over 20 minutes this is especially important with our little ones our babies especially they don't have the same ability to regulate their body temperature as we do Mm -hmm. so we run the risk of them getting hypothermic if we run over 20 minutes so 20 minutes is enough and then we want you to get them out if the ambulance isn't there already we then want you to get them out of the cool running water after 20 minutes and go into your kitchen and grab the cling wrap, the plastic cling wrap out of your kitchen. It's the same thing that we use in the ambulance. And I want you to pull a strip of it off and lay it lengthways down the burn. So say we've got a burn in on the forearm and we've cooled it under running water for 20 minutes. I want you to get some cling wrap and lay it lengthways or longitudinally <laughs> down the burn. We don't want you to wrap it around the entire arm or the entire burn because burns tend to swell and we don't want to constrict it at all, but we just lay it down lengthways over the top of the burn. Now, there's two reasons we put that on there. The first is it protects the burn. It acts like a synthetic layer of skin. If we consider that our skin is our biggest organ, it's our most important organ. So when we've disrupted the integrity to our skin like that with a burn, we really do open ourselves up for quite severe infection. So after we've cooled it for 20 minutes under running water, get a piece of cling wrap and lay it down it lengthways. It's also going to do an enormous amount to help with the pain because obviously we know burns are extremely painful because all our nerve endings are exposed and angry. By covering it with cling wrap, they're going to cover those nerve endings and take away a lot of the pain from your child, which is one of our biggest goals in the pre-hospital setting is to help with pain relief and stop that burn from burning. So just to recap those two points, because they're really important, we need to cool it for 20 minutes. We, we want everyone to remember that number and then cover it in cling, cling wrap. Mm-hmm. And then we're off to hospital. <laughs> yeah, amazing. No, they're really important points. And I think that you've articulated well why they're important um, because we want to act mm-hmm. fast, but obviously make sure that it's effective. So that's, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I think it's good for parents to know what to do in this situation because the longer that we delay cooling the burn, the, the poorer the outcome can be. Mm. So by by knowing that you can act and knowing that you, you can have control of a situation like this is really beneficial for parents. Um, and I would be assuming that let's say that the ambulance is taking its time, you wouldn't recommend um, administering any type of Panadol prior? Oh, look, 
Absolutely, I would, as long as whatever you give them isn't going to interfere with you cooling the burn. So your priority is getting them into that running water and you'll find that being under the running water will actually reduce their pain enormously as well. So after we're out of... um, after we finish cooling the burn, by all means, if you have some Panadol there, you're welcome to give it to your children. Uh, but as long as our goal is to stop that burn from burning first, that's our priority. Yeah. And then obviously advise the ambulance if you have given any type of medication. Yeah, definitely. They're definitely. They'll want to know. Um, but that's the paramedics will ask all those questions when they when they get to you. But yeah, by all means, if you want to give them something to help start, then that's good head in the right direction. Perfect. Good stuff. Now that's obviously something that's really easy to happen. The other thing that's quite easy to happen without us even realizing is drowning. And a lot of people tend to associate that only as an issue if you have a pool, but Mm. it's sadly quite common. Yeah. Yeah. And you're spot on with that because the first thing people think of when they think of drowning is those big bodies of water. So the rivers and the beaches and the pools, but it's those big bodies of water we're almost hyper aware of the the danger. But with our babies, it's rarely the the big bodies of water. Mm. Um, But it is still the number one killer of children under five in our homes. And, And we're seeing that in the household because, we start getting a little bit complacent around home and forget to consider that any body of water, no matter how small, can cause a child to drown. So I'm talking about baths, of course, but I'm also referring to um, buckets of water, dog bowls, fish tanks. Um, There's a very famous case that we always refer to where uh, there was a barbecue and an esky full of ice and as the ice began to melt during the day, it became a body of water and a young toddler reached in to get a drink of water and fell in and subsequently drowned so we need people yeah look we just want we we want to keep having these conversations with people so that they have a look around their homes because with drowning the number one thing we need to think about is prevention prevention Mm -hmm. is better than cure with everything but especially the case with drowning so have a look around your home. Have a look for those smaller bodies of water and identify in your home where those risks are. The other thing um, we want to do when we're talking about preventing drowning is when we're at a pool or at the beach and we're at those bigger bodies of water, we really need to prioritise supervision. And that might seem really obvious, but here's an interesting fact. Since the invention of mobile phones, where we now live off our mobile phones, we're always attached to them, we're always flicking through Instagram and doing our banking and our work and our email. The rate of drowning has actually increased. There's been a spike Mm. in drowning since the emergence of phones. So that's because people think that they're supervising. They think they're giving 100% attention where in actual fact they're not. They're quite distracted um, with what they're doing. So... To give 100% attention, we really mean that to be 100% attention. We can't be socialising or talking to our friends. We we really need it to be an isolated task. So here's my tip for this. If you're at a pool party or there's a group of you 
this might sound a bit dorky, but it's 100% necessary, (laughs) set up a roster where each of you have 15 minutes of dedicated eyes on the water time. Whoever's turn it is, don't let them take their mobile, don't let them take a friend to talk to. Their job for 15 minutes is to be eyes on the water and then after 15 minutes, rotate so you each get a turn. I always like to tell people a story that happened to me when I was um, with my mother's group. My son is seven now. He was two at the time. There was four of us in the pool and four babies. And my friend said, can you watch Ollie? I'm just going to my bag to grab something. And we were all like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. We've got them. And within a few seconds, Ollie was underwater behind me. And I didn't see him. And that rattled me because I'm a paramedic. I teach pediatric first aid. I'm passionate about water safety and this still happened to me because of complacency and and not giving 100% attention so Mm. we really want people to take on this message that when we're around the pool our one job that's our one job is to be eyes on the water socializing and everything else can can wait And I suppose that translates through to bath time as well because yeah, you, know, you yeah. might be out to grab a towel or to grab mm-hmm. something and it can happen in an instant. Yeah, I mean, I think baths are probably the biggest cause of drowning in the home in terms of those smaller bodies of water. So mm. we like to encourage people to get into the habit of of doing things safely with the bath. So, for example, Every time you take the baby out of the bath, the plug comes with it. Make it part of your routine. So baby comes out, so does the plug. Mm-hmm. I know when my boys were little, we used to make a little bit of a game out of it, like um, watching the, like, the tornado or the monster plug. <laughs> I don't know. Make a game out of it. So baby comes out, so does the plug, so that we can start setting up strategies around our home and around our routine that promote sort of water safety. So I suppose... With regard to our treatment for drowning, the treatment is basic life support. You know, our doctors, A, B, C, D, dangers, response, and for help, airway, breathing, compressions, and defibrillation. Um, Obviously, we can't go through all of that in today's podcast. I'll be talking at you for over an hour. But we we really suggest that everyone gets out there and, and goes and does a pediatric first aid course. And Obviously, I would suggest you do one of my courses at Rescue Blue, but in reality, there are so many great providers out there. Just make sure you get out there and, and get one done and, and do it with someone who's current in these skills so that we just want as many parents out there to have this information and have this knowledge and be confident um, in, in what they're doing um, so we can avoid these situations. And it is so important, isn't it? And I think that, and I will put all of your details in the show notes um, as well so that anybody can touch base with you. But like we touched on earlier, just because you have a standard adult first aid course doesn't mean that you've got mm-hmm. all the skills for the pediatric sense. Um, now, if someone yeah. has done a pediatric first aid course, for example, how mm-hmm. often would you suggest getting that refreshed or doing another We would sort of recommend at least every child that you have, you should be doing another one. And CPR gets updated every every year. We really recommend doing CPR refresher courses because the Australian Resuscitation Council is always in the process of upgrading and updating. And I believe there's some more significant changes coming in the near future with regards to our CPR as well. So it's really important to make sure that at least every year we're in touch with our providers to make sure right 
Has anything changed? Where am I up to? Do I need to do this again? But certainly every time you have a child or every time you're taking care of, say, a new age group of children, then we would recommend that you refresh because the skills do change when we're talking about giving first aid to a baby compared to maybe looking after an eight-year-old. Yep. It's a different um, it's a different skill set again. Absolutely, so. and I, I can definitely attest to that. Um, the, yes, the changes yeah. that happen in you know, eight years is quite significant. But thank you so much for joining me, Jess. I really appreciate that. I thank think you. it's added a lot of value, and I think that with those easy, quick points, it can make a massive difference. But as I said, I'll put all of your details in the show notes. Um, but thank you again for your time. Yeah, thanks, Danny. I appreciate Thanks, Jess. Just to quickly recap, the first point of call in an emergency is to call the ambulance, just to ensure that you have help on the way. When it comes to burns, Jess suggests cool running water for a maximum of 20 minutes. Then get some cling wrap and use it lengthways on the burn. When it comes to drowning, ensure that you identify risks and implement supervision. Every time you take the baby out of the bath, make sure that the plug comes with it. Jess has spoken about the importance of baby first aid and how it can help and make a difference to you and your family in the event of an emergency. I've popped all of her details into the show notes for a point of call. And if you haven't done so already, make sure that you hit the subscribe button so that you can join me next week as well. If you're on Instagram, head on over to at Mummy Republic Podcast for more information on the postpartum sub-series and the main podcast and the guests that are involved. Thank you so much for joining me and I look forward to speaking with you next time. Thank you.